During each of the past six weeks at Crossroads, we have been looking at the cross from a different vantage point. Seeing the cross through the eyes of the religious leaders, the eyes of the soldiers, the eyes of the disciples, seeing the cross through the eyes of the early believers, through the eyes of the crowd, and through the eyes of Jesus Himself. But of course, on Easter Sunday, our primary focus rightly shifts from the crucifixion to the resurrection. But in fact, these two events are absolutely inseparable. The empty cross and the vacated tomb together represent the only power on earth that can break the chains of sin and break the chain of death. And this vital truth is what makes the gospel good news. And it's actually illustrated by a criminal who appears in the drama that surrounded the crucifixion. His name is Barabbas. Barabbas never spoke a recorded word. We don't know his age. We don't know whether he was married or not. We don't know anything about his family of origin, but his story still takes up 38 verses of New Testament text. And his name is referenced by all four of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they each contribute a detail that exposes the rap sheet of Barabbas, and it is extensive. Matthew chapter 27 describes him as a notable prisoner. Now that sounds pretty tame, but we're actually talking here about a notorious criminal, someone like Al Scarface Capone, the infamous Chicago crime czar of the 20s and 30s responsible for the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, or Charles Manson, the cult leader of the Manson family that orchestrated a series of gruesome murders in the late 60s, or Timothy McVeigh, the domestic terrorist in the late 60s who set off a truck bomb in Oklahoma City, killing 168 people, including 19 children, just two decades ago this very month. Or most of us recognize the name of Johar Sarnaya being tried right now in federal court for the Boston Marathon bombings that killed five and injured 280. Like all of these, Barabbas had a reputation that preceded him. Mark 15 adds that Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. So he was involved in an organized revolt against civil authority. He was a rebel. He was an assassin who plotted to take out political officials and schemed to overthrow the government. He was all about power. He was all about control. Luke chapter 23 details that Barabbas had been thrown into prison for sedition in the city and for murder. In short, he was a troublemaker. He incited riots, anarchy, and violence actually attracted Barabbas. He was a killer. And if all this were not enough, John 18 adds, now Barabbas was a robber. He probably didn't have time to do an honest day's work, what with all the mayhem that he was causing. 
So he would routinely steal what others had worked for, and he did it without conscience. And in that day and time, stealing, insurrection, sedition, murder, all carried the same penalty, death. And it was not a quick, efficient, painless death. It was a slow, agonizing, tortuous death that was carried out in front of a hostile crowd. So if your picture was on the bulletin board in the post office in Rome, or if you showed up on their equivalent of America's most wanted, you were in big trouble. There's no doubt that Barabbas deserved to be incarcerated. And if anyone should have been on death row in that day and time, it was Barabbas. But Governor Pontius Pilate, looking for a way to avoid condemning Jesus, whom he believed to be innocent, came up with an idea. He would release a Jewish prisoner for the Passover, thinking it would be Jesus. But it backfired on him. Instead of vindicating Jesus, it worked to the advantage of Barabbas. Now, the prison where he was confined was about 2,000 feet away from where Jesus was being tried. So all Barabbas could hear was the crowd. He could not hear Pilate. So when Pilate asked the crowd, which man do you want me to release, the crowd shouted, Barabbas. And when Pilate asked, but what shall I do then with Jesus, the crowd shouted, crucify him. But all Barabbas could hear was the words, Barabbas, crucify him. So he concludes that he is about to be executed. But the soldiers open the cell door and they tell him, you are free to go. Someone is going to die in your place. And we read about this moment in Matthew 27, verse 15. It says, now it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. So when the crowd gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas? or Jesus, who is called Christ? Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus? They all answered, crucify him. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus scourged and handed him over to be crucified. And reading through this text just makes me want to shout, this isn't right. This isn't right. The false charges of the Jewish leaders, the five illegal trials that took place throughout the night, the lies of the false witnesses, the cowardice of the governor, the brutality of the soldiers, the scourging, the cross, it's just not right. What they did to Jesus was the greatest injustice in human history. After all, Pilate, no less than three times, said, I find no basis for a charge against him. The repentant thief on the cross beside Jesus said, This man has done nothing wrong. The chief priest said, He saved others. The crowd that called for his death said, He trusted God. And after the crucifixion, a centurion, a Roman 
official said, surely this was a righteous man and truly this was the Son of God. Just compare the character of Jesus and the character of Barabbas. Jesus had no legitimate charge against him. Barabbas was guilty as charged. Jesus had done nothing wrong. Barabbas was guilty of sedition. Jesus healed others. Barabbas robbed others. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Barabbas, an insurrectionist. Jesus is righteous. Barabbas is rebellious. Jesus saved others. Barabbas murdered others. Jesus is the Son of God, and Barabbas is identified as a son of the devil in John 8, 44. But here's our takeaway about this injustice on Easter of 2015. The release of Barabbas portrays in an historical and providential event the release of each one of us from our sins to have a second chance, to have a new life, to break every chain that has bound us, to live each day in the freedom of His grace, to live without the fear of death. The story of Barabbas is the story of us all. Before salvation, when we were without Christ, when we were without forgiveness, without grace, without joy, without peace, without hope. Like Barabbas, we stand condemned. But Jesus took our place. 1 Peter 3, 18, for Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous, that's Jesus, for the unrighteous, that's you and me, to bring you to God put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. In Romans chapter 6, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So Barabbas was released, and it had to be a stunning reversal for him. His sentence was immediately commuted. Immediately, the charges dropped, the prison doors open. He was free. Another chance at life. Unfortunately, we don't know what became of Barabbas after his literal chains were broken. I sometimes wonder if he didn't hang around and watch the crucifixion from the fringe of the crowd, standing silently, saying to himself, it could have been me. It, it should have been me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place on my cross for my sins. Well, whether or not he said it, I want to say it. <laughs> you see, we've not read this story rightly if we think that Barabbas is bad because he was a criminal, and we're good because we're not as bad as he. Each one of us is an offender justly charged, 
and convicted and rightly condemned, freed only because someone died in our place. We may not have done every terrible thing that others have done, but still our hands are not clean. We've cheated and lied and gossiped and lusted and lost our temper and cursed and hated. But the blessing of God's grace radiates from His Word. Jesus, the innocent, took the place of Barabbas, the guilty, and the chains of sin and death are broken. A sinner goes free to live a new life without limits, and that sinner is not only Barabbas, it's you and it's me. In 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation became the law of the land, and the word spread from the streets of Washington, D.C. to the plantations of Savannah, Georgia, the headlines in two words, slavery abolished, exclamation point. However, some slaves in the South went on living as though there were no emancipation. They went on living like they had not been set free. I think that's sad because brutal battles had been fought. The war was won. An official document had been drafted and signed by the president. Slavery was no more. Slaves were free, yet many continued to live their lives without acknowledging it. Even though emancipated, they kept serving a master who no longer had ownership of them. And it is just so with unbelievers and with some believers today. They've been set free. The chains have been broken, and yet they continue to be bound by the same values, the same attitudes, the same temperament, the same behaviors, the same fears, the same bad habits that have enslaved them most all of their lives. Well, we know nothing about Barabbas after he's told that Jesus will go to the cross in his place. But this one thing I do know, Barabbas was left that day with a decision to make. He'd been pardoned. He had a golden opportunity that day to begin a new life, to start over as though none of his crimes had ever been committed. He had the opportunity to be an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. He had an opportunity to reflect on the character of Jesus and his teaching, to change his life, to change his future, to pass once and for all from death to life by making Jesus his Savior. And so, for all of us today, like Barabbas, we have an opportunity to accept or to reject the sacrificial death of Jesus. You and I have the opportunity to look to the cross and be drawn to Jesus, to gratefully receive his sacrifice, to believe his promise that all who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life, to surrender to his loving lordship, in the experience of Christian baptism, to be buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection, freed from sin, free to live a new life 
now and to live with the assurance of heaven from now on. Like Barabbas. Like Barabbas, your cell door is standing open right now. Will you worship the risen Lord? Will you let him break every chain that binds you to who you have been and how you have lived so you can be forgiven and free? Some people have never heard this message. Others struggle with the idea of a new life because they have settled. They're so used to their old life. In the television version of the Shawshank Redemption, Red Redding tells the story of Andy Dufries, a young successful banker convicted of murder in 1947, sentenced to two consecutive life terms at the Shawshank prison. Halfway through the film, an older inmate, Brooks Hadlin, becomes enraged and he threatens to take another prisoner's life holding a makeshift knife at his throat. And a few tense moments later, Red and Andy persuade Brooks to put the knife down. And that's when they learned that he had just received the word that his parole had finally been granted. You see, the mere thought of life on the outside of the prison walls sent Brooks over the edge and Red clarified what happened. He said, Brooks hasn't bugged out, that is, gone crazy. He's just been institutionalized. The man's been in here 50 years, 50 years. This is all he knows in here. He's an important man. He's an educated man. On the outside, he's nothing, just a used-up con with arthritis in both hands. You know what I'm trying to say. You believe whatever you want, but I'm telling you, these walls are funny. First, you hate them. Then you get used to them. Enough time passes, you get to depend on them. You get institutionalized. And friends, listen. Too many people live so long without the Lord that they become spiritually institutionalized, walled in. So they instinctively resist receiving their pardon to live forgiven and free with the chains of sin broken, with the chain of death broken. So accept your pardon today, if you haven't already. Accept your pardon. Walk free. Break every chain. Begin to live uh, the life of freedom from sin and death that is opening up to you this Easter in God's providence, he has preserved in all four of the gospel accounts the story of Barabbas because in Barabbas we see what substitutionary atonement is. Jesus took our place so we could be at one. We could be united with our Creator and our Heavenly Father. As you came in this morning, you received a bag, and in that bag there was a worship bulletin looks like this. 
there's a tear-off portion at the bottom. And I'd like to ask you right now to take your worship bulletin in hand and maybe take the pen out of the bag. That's your gift to take with you. But we wanted to make sure that everyone could make a mark on this response form. At the bottom, it tears off. This is the part that we're interested in today. On one side, it says, let's keep the conversation going. If you're here today, you've never been to Crossroads before, you've never been to Easter at the Ford Center, maybe it's been a long time since you've been in church, but somehow you were motivated to be here today, and something has stirred in you, something has awakened in you, we just want to keep the conversation going with you. At the very least, would you give us your name, maybe your email address, or your address, your physical address, and your phone number, just so we can know that you were here, and so we can keep the conversation going with you. We value you, we want to know you, we want you to get to know us. On the other side, there are some other blanks. It says, I am ready to take the next step in my faith journey. You may be here this morning, ready to learn more about what it means to become a Christ follower, wanting to know more about what it means to be a part of Crossroads Christian Church. You'll notice there are two blanks there. One of them says, register me for the starting point class. We have a class that lasts about an hour, hour and a half, and it would give you an idea about what your next steps would be. The starting point class. We'll have 30, 35 people in that class typically. Maybe you're ready to sit in on that class. Or I'd like to talk to a pastor, hear the message of Jesus in a one-on-one -on -one setting. If you're ready to sit down with a pastor and just share more personally, more intimately than you have in a classroom setting, then you check that blank. And then finally, it says, I want to be a chain breaker. If you would like to be more involved in being a disciple maker, you are a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, and you want to plug in and help other people become disciples of Jesus, then we would like to have your check mark there and your name on that card. If you would right now, take that card in hand, that pen in hand. We're going to listen to a powerful message and song. I'm going to pray and we'll collect these cards from you today. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for this Easter celebration. It's been wonderful, Lord, as I stood over here more than once. Uh, the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I brushed goosebumps off my arms. I thank you for this truth that Jesus lives evermore, that he's changing lives and destinies today. And we pray, our Father, that today we would personalize this message. It's as personal as what happened with Barabbas. It can happen to us. We thank you that Jesus has given his life he said himself, greater love has no man than this than he laid down his life for his friends. He died in our place on our cross. We thank you and praise you for that, and we receive him as Savior and Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.